recorded live. You're listening to The Grueling Truth. Does that sound like Brent Musburger? Yes. That'd be your listening live. But we're on our Thursday night NFL show on Talk Shoe. We're on NGSC Sports Network. I'd like to welcome in my normal football co-host, Matt Andrew Scavage. How you doing tonight, Matt? Very good, Mike. Thanks for having me. And we have a special guest tonight. I believe in high school he scored points in a basketball game one time. He hosts the Grueling Truth Boxing Show with me. Plus, he's a Mets and a Nets fan. Please welcome to the show, Joe Rodriguez. Hi, Mike. Uh, you left out that I also got thrown out of a high school basketball game for fighting, but thanks very much. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? That woman was big, so it, it was a fair fight. <laughs> he, was, he was elbowing me, and I really didn't like he it. He was like 6'3", 400 pounds. Yeah, that's and, I mean, tough. he'd been dating her for a couple months. So. <laughs> so there's not going to be no response to that? Um, yeah, I have no comment. It's tough to deal with the truth. Well, okay. But, well, this is right, the grueling so, truth. So, um, number one, we do have a special guest, I believe, August 6th. We're going to have Tommy John on. I guess that'll be our first baseball show. So, Tommy John used to pitch for the Dodgers and the Yankees, wasn't it, Joe? Yes, he was actually terrific with both teams. So we'll have him on. Me and Matt will interview him, and then if Joe deems it important enough for him to be on, he'll probably call in. So, <laughs> but we really have no prepared topic tonight, as you can probably tell right now. So, Joe, what's our topic tonight? Because Joe is always prepared, as is Matt. Yes, because I'm the king of useless information. I wanted to talk about the most <laughs> overrated NFL players we've seen ever. Interesting. Okay. Interesting topics. Well, would you like to start off? What's your criteria for it? So me and Matt know what the game is, the rules of the game? Are. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be in the Hall of Fame, maybe considered for the Hall of Fame, uh, or at least a great player while he played, uh, even if it was uh, three, four years. Uh, just someone who was considered really great or really special uh, for a significant period. All right. Well, you want to go first? Might as well cut to the chase. Hopefully, there are a lot of cowboy fans uh, listening out there. I don't mean <laughs> Here we to, go. just stop. Just I don't stop. mean to troll you, cowboy fans, but my one of my most overrated players is Troy Aikman. And uh, I'll give you this a moment. This will be interesting. I'll, I'll give you a moment to finish your screaming. Okay. Now you're done. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I think Troy Aikman was overrated. He was a terrific quarterback. Technically, he was one of the great uh, quarterbacks I've ever seen as far as technique is concerned. But the reason why I say he was overrated is this. He played with an all-time great running back. He played with an all-time great receiver. He played with the greatest offensive line, I think, ever to this day. I've never seen him play in bad weather. By his own admission, he hated to play and any kind of inclement weather. Never saw him play in the rain. Never saw him play in the snow or wind conditions. Um, never saw him come from behind in a big game. Uh, the team was that good. He was that good. And they would just played from in front the vast majority of the time. So I think he was a terrific player. I think he was a borderline Hall of Famer. No argument that he's in. But I don't think he was great. All right. Uh, can I take this first, Matt? Yeah, sure? go ahead. Cause I, I, All right. You just, said, you just said that you thought he was great. I thought he was a great technician. No, you said you thought he was great. That was towards the last part of your sentence there, wasn't it, Matt? 
I did hear that, but go ahead. Okay, so uh, he won three Super Bowls. You're going to penalize him because he played around great players. Joe Montana played with Roger Craig and Wendell Tyler in the backfield in Super Bowl 19. You know, he played with Jerry Rice. He played with great defenses. Teams that win Super Bowls are usually great teams. To say that he never was, like, had a come-from-behind victory, well, you know what? If you look at most of Montana and Elway's come-from-behind victories in the playoffs, they played really bad early in the game. They made mistakes, which put them behind. Troy Aikman did not make mistakes in big games to put his team behind to be in a situation where he had to make a comeback. You said he Most was technically. You said technically he was one of the greatest players of all time. Now he won three Super Bowls. Technically, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks. He did everything perfect. He won three Super Bowls. He was a Super Bowl MVP. He was the Walter yeah. Payton Man of the Year. He's in the Cowboys Ring of Honor. He's in College Football Hall of Fame. He's consensus All American. I mean, he threw for what? 62% completions, 33,000 yards, a quarterback rating of 82. But may yet I re- he's not great. May I rebut? No, you may not. <laughs> Welcome to my world, Joe. <laughs> oh, there's the bully speaks. All right, go ahead. Uh, I'll quickly, because I want Matt to get a word in edgewise here. Uh, I know Matt remembers this game very well. You talk about Montana uh, having great comebacks. Uh, because he played poorly in the beginning. There was one game he played almost flawlessly, and it was horrendous conditions. And I think it was the 88 NFC Championship game in Chicago. It was that was a comeback? Hor- no, that was, was a 28 comeback. to 3. Hold on. It was horrendous conditions. Against Montana- a terrible team. Hold on, please. It was horrendous weather conditions. Montana played an almost flawless game. I don't see Troy Aikman being successful in those types oh of conditions. Oh, my God. So, so Troy Aikman could not have been successful against the 88 Bears, who had, no, what, talking Mike about, Tomzak and I mean, come on, Joe. I'm talking, they, about, they I'm talking about where the wind chill was some whatever it was below zero. Troy Aikman, by his own admission, said he could never play in wet or bad weather. He couldn't even throw a wet ball. That's Troy Aikman talking. Yeah. Well, I mean, can you give me an instance where that happened? Never had to. He had home field all the oh, time. Oh, it never had to. So it never happened. So how can well, you say that somebody not being able to do something if you've never seen him do it? I don't care if he said he had trouble throwing a wet ball or not. A lot of guys will say stuff in deference, but you know what? In bad weather, I'm sorry, but Matt can vouch for this. I'll let Matt speak here in a minute. But I'm really upset because I really like Troy Aikman, and I think <laughs> you're a moron right now, Joe. But, I mean, I remember the 92 NFC Championship game. Yeah, uh, that was bad weather. Those field conditions were as bad as any field conditions ever. The turf flying up all over the place because the Niners were trying to cheat with bad weather. Probably because Joe <laughs> probably called Eddie DeBartolo and said, "You know what, Troy Aikman just called and said he hates bad weather." But they put up what thirty-eight points, one game, thirty-eight twenty-eight. And if I remember right, that game was on the line, and he throws an eighty-some-yard touchdown pass to Alvin Harper in, in the clutch. I don't think that's what happened, but. Uh... You're, you're you're close. Well, maybe about not DeBartolo and Joe calling DeBartolo, because everybody knows <laughs> Joe and DeBartolo in college had it falling out, so they didn't talk anymore. But the rest of the stuff, the field conditions were terrible, and he played a really good game against a really good Niner team. 
Well, basically, I, I will. All right, I'm going to first. I'm going to rebut Mike a little bit, but overall, I agree that Troy Aikman was one of the best. Uh, now, Troy Aikman did struggle with a wet ball. I did see him play in the rain a few times. He he was really bad with a wet ball, but when he when he needed to be great, he he just play, he always played very very well. Uh, other than the 94 NFC Championship game where he started off the game with a pick six and, you know, there were there were a turnover. It was, it was really lousy field conditions. That was the 38-28 game that the Niners won. But other than that game, he was almost perfect in the playoffs. Well, the other you game 90, was one, I think, wasn't it? You go 90, 92 was 30-20. to 20, uh Okay. You know, yeah, but, but yeah, but there was points. a there was a deep ball to Alvin Harper that he reached over and made a fantastic catch. Aikman didn't dominate the game, but he played very well. I think it was just one of those things where you know, yeah, he did have great players around him, but what's he supposed to do? Is he supposed to you know play bad and make a comeback, or he just he just played well most of the time? I don't think that he's one of the you know top five greatest of all time, but I think he's definitely in the conversation among the great quarterbacks because all the guy did was win, and he played well when he had to play well. So I think what we need to do is now take a vote. Who thinks Joe's wrong? I do. Matt? Um, I, Come on, Matt. I, I wouldn't Throw say he's balls over. Here. Just say it. Just say okay. it. <laughs> I know where Joe's coming from, but I'm going to go wrong underrated. He, He's underrated. And see, two to one, Joe, you lose, you're wrong. Okay, what's yours, Matt? <laughs> Well, since uh, since we basically are we going to go two topics or are we just going to stick to the one topic? Well, we'll see how long the one runs, and then we'll go to the other one. Well, All right. If, well, then, if this is any indication with Mike's arguments, we may need two shows just to cover this one topic. Why? Because Mike was right. <laughs> Troy Aikman is one of the most underrated quarterbacks of all time because people think the way about him that you do, Joe. The man was consistent all the time. And there's very few instances where he played bad in playoff games. I mean, you want to bring up a game in 94 where he played bad, you can bring up a couple games where Joe Montana played bad against the Giants in the playoffs. I mean, you're going to play bad game. I mean, you're going to get beat sometimes in the playoffs because the playoffs are the best teams. But there's not too many games where you can say, well, that was, you know, that was his fault. Well, I guess – what I'll do here then is I'm just going to pick my number one. Uh, well, he's not my number one, but he's definitely the one that I probably got the most information about being the most overrated player that I've ever seen. While he was very good, the most overrated player that I've ever personally watched in my lifetime is Brett Lorenzo Fars. No question about it. You even know his middle name. You've been stalking Yeah, him. well... Yeah. <laughs> no, I, it's, they, they say it. They've said it on the radio a lot over the years. So I've just, it's just kind of one of those things that kind of rolls off the tongue now. So, um, no, you know, Favre was very good early in his career. Um, he, especially once he got to about 1994, he was still throwing a lot of interceptions. But then it was starting to calm down a little bit. Had the the, the MVP years, but once you get past the '97 NFC Championship game. All of a sudden, his playoff record goes to four and eight for the rest of his career, <clears throat> and twenty-two interceptions in the playoffs. And I know if you talk to any Packer fan, if they had, if Jay Cutler were to throw twenty-two interceptions in the playoffs, they would call him the biggest choker ever. 
the farm gets a pass because he had three MVPs back in the 90s. When it came down to a big game, you could almost count on it. It was money that he was going to throw an interception and probably lose the game for you. Uh, yeah, he was good, but I think the majority of his career is defined by his longevity and his durability. Was he, was he an Ironman? You bet. But that, to me, is his legacy. The statistics, good and bad, are a result of being very good over a very long period of time. Yeah, he's got 500 touchdowns. He also has 500 turnovers. While he, it, he does belong in the Hall of Fame, he did accomplish a lot, especially in the 90s. I think he's uh, one of the most overrated players of all time, and I can't even believe that people put him in the top five uh, when, they do, when they discuss best quarterbacks ever. Joe? I'll keep it short because I know this is your baby. This is like my uh, why I think Mike Tyson is not even in the top 20 heavyweights of all time, but that's another show. Uh, I would probably take, off the top of my head, Ten quarterbacks with the season on the line, if I needed, if my team's season was on the line and it was a life-and-death situation, there's like ten guys I'd take ahead of Brett Favre, um, a couple of guys who are playing right now. So uh, that's a nice way of saying that I agree with you, Matt. I would say there's probably about ten guys playing right now I would take over. <laughs> I think he's a joke. Um, I, I think he's also a miserable human being. So how about that? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, I guess hey, it's three nothing on that one. Yeah, three to nothing on that one. So Matt is right, Joe is wrong so far. Uh, what did I do? <laughs> That's well, like you what picked, I do, Matt. <laughs> you picked Troy Aikman. <laughs> All right, Mike, you're up. I am up. Joe Willie Namath, Broadway. Oh, we got we've got a stalker on our hands. He's got a middle name. <laughs> That's not even funny after I already said it. That's why Joe just kind of laughed. It's actually funnier. It's kind of funnier when you when you call me out and then you do it. Was that? I just did. It's like, yeah, but everybody knows. Did, okay, this is the thing. Everybody knows Joe Namath's middle name is Willie. I had no clue that Brett Favre's middle name was Lorenzo. Well, now you do. Okay, and now I feel like I'm even a more complete person because of it. <laughs> All right, why is Joe Namath the most? So you're most overrated. Because he sucked. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all agree on that one. <laughs> Let's move on then. No, I mean, <laughs> if you look at his stats, he completed 50% of his passes. He had a quarterback rating of 65. He threw yeah. 173 touchdown passes and 220 interceptions. He sucked. In the Super Bowl, he should not have been the MVP. Matt Schnell could have been. Randy Beverly with two interceptions could have been. Yeah. And, I mean, the thing is, he's a product of the environment of New York. I mean, hell, in 1999, he was number 96 on the sporting news list of the 100 greatest football players. Yes. And, I mean, he was in New York. And, I mean, come on. His Super Bowl one was over Don Shula, who is also overrated. We'll get to that later, maybe. We'll see. Are our coaches counting in us? Sure, you can add them to our show. Not a bad idea. But what's you guys' opinion? I agree. I think Joe Namath. Uh, Joe Namath, the thing with Joe Namath is 
he doesn't really have a great game other than Super Bowl three, and he didn't even and throw a touchdown a great in that game. game. Yeah. And that was and yeah, exactly. Playoff, he didn't throw a touchdown in that game. Um, I mean, we have, we got to give him credit for you know. I think he got in the Colts' heads, but it was the team of the Jets that beat the team of the Colts. Joe Namath, yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't think that he really did anything personally to warrant the Hall of Fame, other than the fact that it, he was famous for <laughs> beating the one of the greatest teams of all time, the '68 Colts. Um, he just didn't really do any do, do anything in his career. Clearly, one of the most overrated quarterbacks of all time. Joe, I I watched a lot of Namath, and uh, I I mean, black and white, he was overrated. Probably does not deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I think people were enamored. I'm older than both of you, so I, I do remember people were enamored with his talent. He was as talented as players ever come out of college. Uh, his knees robbed him of that. Uh, the conditions of Shea Stadium robbed him of that. Some bad jet teams robbed him. I also think Namath also hurt himself. I don't think he worked quite as hard. Uh, he was, uh, as you know, burning the midnight oil and not uh, having his head in the playbook as often as he should. One of the reasons why he did throw a lot of interceptions. So, yes, I, I do agree, but there are some mitigating factors as well. All right. Well, mitigating factors, injuries, and stuff, I don't care about. He was just overrated. So, 3 nothing. I win that. So, me and Matt have both been right both times. You've been wrong. Go ahead, Joe. See if you can get it right this time. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have a list here. I like to, I'll probably go with the more popular names here because uh, okay. I have some other names here. Like, I thought that Booby Clark was overrated. I'm just joking. Oh, come on. Booby <laughs> Clark was like, I mean, he was, well, his name was Booby. That's right. That's why you like I mean, Booby come Clark. on. He is a grown-ass man, scoring touchdowns in the NFL, and his name is Booby. And I went to Bengal games in the mid-'70s, and you know what? When 50,000 fans are constantly chanting Booby and you're nine years old, shit, you're all in cheering Booby. All right. I'm glad. I just wanted to see Booby Clark in the air, so uh, Booby Clark. Um, another guy I thought was overrated was Deion Sanders. Uh, Deion Sanders was uh what he was good at, he was great at. He was a great cover corner, and he was a great return guy. But he couldn't tackle. So for me, he was a bit of a specialist, um, and uh, he wasn't a complete player. When Dave Brown, Dave Brown, the immortal Dave Brown, former quarterback of the New York Giants, runs you over on the goal line, then uh, to me you're not a great football player. Uh, very good player, great at some things, but not a, I think he was overrated. Matthew? Matthew, I think we lost him. Oh, I looks like I was on mute. Sorry about that. Oh, okay. <clears throat> I agree that Deion Sanders was not one of the greatest tacklers of all time. I got to I watched Deion for most of his career: Atlanta, the one year with the Niners, and then with the Cowboys, and then later with the Skins and the Ravens. Uh, might be one of the two or three best cover corners of all time. Definitely one of the two or three best returners of all time. We agree on that. Uh, Dion, he tackled. He did make tackles when he had to. He just was. He just was not like. He wasn't looking for contact. I think that does penalize him a little bit for sure. Um, there were times I think he did miss tackles, and Dave Brown runs you over. Yeah, that's a problem. But I also did see him make some pretty good tackles when he had to. I would call him an average to below average tackler. 
Uh, he just didn't. He didn't want to make contact. I, yeah, I, I'm good with penalizing him, but I don't. I, I think Dion lived up to most of his hype, and he is one of the corners that I would definitely uh, want on my team if I'm if I'm starting a team. I don't. Right. I, I won't, I'm not going to say he's overrated. I will not say he's overrated. I don't think he's a very good tackler. That always bothered me about him. But the dude was one of the best cover corners ever. I don't think he's one of my top four or five corners ever. But I think he's a top ten corner. If you, if you look at the fact that they hype him to death because he danced and did stuff like that, yeah, I can see it. But as Matt said, I mean, if you could put him on my team as my shutdown corner on one side, I think I would take it. I don't think he's a Daryl Green. I don't think he's a Rod Woodson. But I think he was a really good player. So I see what Matt or I see what Joe's saying about the overrated because he is talked about as the greatest cover corner of all time. And he may have been, but you gotta do more than one thing. So I will right. side slightly with Joe so he's right on this one. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, really, I was just feeling sorry for you because you hadn't been right yet, Joe. It sounds like you got two Cowboys. No, I was... uh, Yeah, he's picking on the Cowboys, and he's a Giants fan. Good call, Matthew. Oh, I've been exposed. (laughs) The next next one on his list will be Roger Stallback. (laughs) I I love to hate it, Roger Stallback. We got time. Matt. No Seahawks or the six. No, be. no Seahawks. No Seahawks. Um, I am going to go with uh, <clears throat> Michael Vick. Basically, the this this would be along the lines of the overhyped department. Uh, I know. I, I realize that most pundits never really would not put Michael Vick in a top ten or anything like that, and so I'm not refuting like a you know, like a top 10 list from other, you know, news sources or anything like that. But while he was playing, uh, I actually thought he was going to be good, especially after the 2002 season when I watched him. Uh, he he did a lot of really good things that year. But he after that, he just never – well, he could – he ran for 1,000 yards and I believe it was 05. Uh, he did take the Falcons to a championship game. I think he just largely, largely uh, rolled the backs of whatever he had around him. I never really saw him do any great things. Uh, he, You could really get in his head. I never really saw him overcome any real adversity. Whenever he was faced with it, you, you could you could break him. I would definitely not want him. Um, and he was he was the epitome of the uh, of the running quarterback that just wasn't really a quarterback. I agree. In fact, I never thought Michael Vick was much of a quarterback. He was an athlete playing the position. Uh, I don't think he really ever learned the game. He never really learned how to read defenses. People don't realize how short he is. He's like 5'11". He doesn't have a whole lot of touch. He has a great uh, arm strength, but doesn't have a lot of touch. Doesn't make great decisions. Um, He takes a lot of big shots for a guy who runs really well. So, uh, yeah, I tend to agree. I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he's very much of a quarterback. Great athlete, not a great quarterback. I agree. I think this. I think he could have been a great quarterback. I think he so showed signs. I the thing that I always remember is 2006. He played back to back against good Bengals and Steelers teams, and he played two games there that was as good as I've ever seen anybody play. 
the problem with him was the fact that he did not do it consistently. He was not consistently a great quarterback. And the fact that he ran around and, I mean, people just kind of overblew what he did. So I will say that I believe that Matt nailed this one again. I think Matt's 2-0 and now, and Joe's still in last place. <laughs> I hope no one's wagering. I think they are in Vegas because I just got some tweets from some people that told me that they were betting, and Joe was the favorite. Matt, Matt was the favorite coming in, <laughs> just because he was a 49ers fan, so he knows what overrated means. So. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you think so? Why not? <laughs> Damn. Go with I had to come up with somebody now because we all know I wasn't home all day today, and I'm completely unprepared. But all right, we'll go with it anyways. Um, overrated players. We said we could count coaches, right? Sure. Well, you All can right. if you want. I got Marv Levy. There, I said it because I think Marv Levy should be nowhere, anywhere near the Hall of Fame. I don't think it's really a great thing if you're a coach that has never won anything. I mean, to me, to be a great coach. You have to be one of a few things. You either have to win a lot of championships or you have to be very inventive. And Marv Levy was not inventive. And I know it sounds like sour grapes because I'm a Bengals fan, but you got the K-Gun offense with the no-huddle offense and stuff. And I'm going to combine Marv Levy with Don Shula on this one because I think that they were just a bunch of old farts in 1988 that wanted to keep the Bengals from winning any damn thing. <laughs> And Marv Levy complained about the Bengals' no-huddle offense. And within a year or two, he's taken the no-huddle offense, acting like he invented it and going to the Super Bowl with it. But the thing is this, every time he went to the Super Bowl with it, he lost. I mean, he to me, he's just an old gray-haired guy that failed completely and miserably in Kansas City trying to run a college offense or a high school offense with the wing tee. He goes to you know Buffalo and gets lucky. He gets Jim Kelly, Andre Reid, all these guys. <laughs> I, mean, I think it was Pullian, the GM, is the one that did that. Um, they played the Giants. They were far superior to the Giants talent-wise. They got out-coached. So when people say, well, he went to four straight Super Bowls, he got out-coached in every one of them. I mean, he played against Hall of Fame coaches. And the thing that's a joke is one of the coaches that beat his ass twice, Jimmy Johnson, isn't even sniffing the Hall of Fame. But Marv Levy's ass can lose four consecutive Super Bowls, never really contribute anything to the game that will be remembered 50 years from now, and they stick his ass in the Hall of Fame. What do you think, Matt? Okay. When I, I, I was a Buffalo fan uh, when, when they were going. I would always go for Buffalo. I, I liked them. I enjoyed their offense. Uh, Jim Kelly was one of my favorite quarterbacks. Thomas, Bruce Smith, the whole, the whole nine yards. I liked them. So we would have these discussions – and I, I will, I would admit, Mike, you, you've changed my mind overall on Marv Levy because I did a little bit of research after we talked, and as I was under the assumption that Marv Levy invented the no huddle offense, I will admit it. I did not know the Bengals did that, and so after looking at his career a little bit closer, the way I didn't really, I didn't even know he was a coach in Kansas City. I just remember him from Buffalo. I didn't know how how far back. I never really researched him. Now. I agree that uh, he's overrated. The bummer is Scott Norwood makes that kick. There's really no dispute. 
So it's kind of like that with Jim Kelly, too. He gets, a, you know, he never won nothing. You know, Scott Norwood makes that kick. It really changes the legacy for a lot of guys. I realize he didn't, it didn't happen, and I realize that Marv Levy did get out coached. So overall, I will agree with you. I don't think he's a horrible coach, but there are guys that belong in uh, before him, you know, certainly Jimmy Johnson. Tom Flores. <laughs> Tom Flores, two Super Bowl winner. Tom Phillips. Uh, but Phillips did, or invented more and brought more to the NFL and more stuff that's still done than when Marv Levy did. Hell, Sam Weiss did. So, And the thing is this, that game, Super Bowl 25, you can ask Joe, see what Joe thinks, because he was a Giants fan, still is. But that game never should have came down to a field goal. Joe? The only thing I have to add about Marv Levy is, and and that's because Mike, you pretty much nailed it. Uh, If you have to say something good about Marv Levy, he was able to manage a bunch of diverse personalities. Um, They all really respected him. They played really hard for him. And you know, in the pros, that's that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, So that was a strength of his. His players loved him. They played really hard for him. That team played really hard. Never gave up. But as far as innovation, as far as being a great coach, no. I'm in agreement. Well, and with you, you can say they played hard and they never gave up, but you know what? You're supposed to play hard and never give up. The difference in life is not what you attempt to do, it's what you accomplish. And when you look at his accomplishments, there's no rings there and there is no innovation. And to me, great coaches, Paul Brown, I mean, Tom Landry, these are all guys that brought things to the game that are still used today. They belong in Hall of Fame. They're greats. People still, nobody follows anything Marv Levy did. Nobody says, well, you remember Marv Levy invented this, Marv Levy did that. No, people say Marv Levy is the only coach to ever go to four Super Bowls and lose every one of them. And I mean, well, I, mean, I have one question. Yeah, go ahead. What are your thoughts on Bud Grant? Bud Grant? Yeah, I think Bud Grant was a really good coach. I think the problem with Bud Grant is this, and this is the thing that gets me on Marv Levy. I think that Bud Grant never played a Super Bowl where he had the best talent. I don't think he ever played a game where his team should have won in the Super Bowl. I'd, my kicker with Marv Levy is Super Bowl 25. You know, 26, yeah. or 26, 27, 28, they were not the better team. I'll give him a pass on that because it's hard to say, well, you know, you're outmanned and you lost. Yeah. You know, you can still be you can be a better coach than the guy that's got more talent and lose. My problem with Marv Levy is just Super Bowl twenty five. Super that's Bowl twenty five. That's my point with Scott yeah, Norwood. He played the he played the game at the Giants pace. The game never should have came down to Scott Norwood. I mean, really, if you watch that team and the way they matched up with the Giants they played the game at the Giants' pace. Their no huddle wasn't as fast in that game. And yeah, they let the Giants, Yeah, they let the Giants control the game, and they got out coached, which is why it came down to a Scott Norwood kick. And when you're outmanned, and the Giants were, I believe, when you're outmanned and you let a game come down to the last minute, it's your own damn fault. Otis Anderson had the game of his life, too. Yeah, but you know what? Otis Anderson should probably be on an underrated list because Otis Anderson from 1979 on was a great back in the NFL. I mean, he was a rookie of the year, I think, in 79. He, I think he was second to Walter Payton in rushing. He's rookie year. And but Joel, like tell you how good he was in, the ni- in 1990, averaging, I believe, 3.3. Yeah, but the thing is this. Great players 
step up in big situations. It's just like we put Brett Favre on the list of being overrated. Yeah. Why? I mean, he was as good as anybody in the regular season. But the thing that separates players that are actual legends from guys that are just really great players is the fact, you know, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, the difference between them is always going to be the amount of rings on their fingers. Nobody's going to care that Peyton Manning threw for a million yards. The thing that comes down to is this. 90% of the time when they played each other, Brady won. And when you get to Super Bowls, Brady's got four of them. Manning's got one. Maybe that's unfair. I don't think it is because I think if you look at the, the players that the Colts had around Manning as opposed to the talent that Brady had around him, I mean, the Colts I mean, lost a lot of first-round playoff games at home and they were at higher seeds in it. Yeah. But Tom Brady would go to place. I mean, Tom Brady, to me, the game stands out to me, would be, what was that, 06, San Diego? Was 06 like against San Diego, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, San Diego had to screw something up. But you know what? Yep. I mean, the thing is this. You have to be able to take advantage of people that screw stuff up. I mean, I'm a Bengals fan. I've seen other teams screw up against us continuously. Super Bowl 16, Amos Lawrence fumbles the kickoff return. The Bengals did not take advantage of that. The Bengals turned the ball over five times after that, which led to 20 points. It's the difference in the game. Yeah. You know, people say, well, they gave them the game. The Bengals gave the Niners the game. The Bengals didn't give the Niners the game. The Niners took what the Bengals gave them, and the Bengals could not take what the Niners gave them. But All right, remember, guys, you're listening to the Grueling Truths Thursday night NFL show, NGSC Sports. You can hear us on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, TuneIn, Zeno, and pretty much everything else. iTunes. <laughs> iTunes. You can hear us everywhere now. That's because we have such riveting conversations like this. So, Joe, what you got? All right. Um, I have so many names to choose from, and we don't have a whole lot of time. So let me pick one. Well, we got 20 minutes. We can make that last 20 minutes because, remember, I'm unprepared. So I'll have to look up another name once Matt starts giving his. Okay, here's one for me. Uh, <laughs> Keyshawn Johnson. Ooh. Keyshawn Johnson was the number one pick in the draft when he came out to the Jets. He was, for me, nothing more than a big mouth possession receiver he wasn't very fast uh what he did do well he had good hands and he was actually uh tough and a very good blocker he was nowhere near a great player ever ever he's not even top five jet receivers of all time much less anybody else he was never near great he was at best a good player uh you would think that Keyshawn, you know young people today look at Keyshawn johnson on, on television they must think wow that guy must have been a great player well, kids, let me tell you, he was nowhere near. Uh, and uh, I think what galls me about him is just uh, his whole, his mouth, his attitude, his um, the way he put down Wayne Corbett. Wayne Corbett was much more productive than he ever was, you know, uh, but he, he labeled him a mascot. He he also talked junk back to John Gruden when he was with the Bucks. I mean, he was just a uh, he was an okay player who could do some things okay, uh, nowhere near great and overrated as as any, almost any player I've ever seen. Matthew? Joe, I think you totally nailed this one. I was going through a list and trying to come up with some players. I, I, mean, I, I was able to you know, come up with a few guys um, over the last 15 years pretty easily. had to go back and really give the rest of it some thought. 
Keyshawn never really came uh, upon my mind, or I would have totally had him on this list. The way you described him was absolutely perfect. Never really saw him get a lot of separation. Never really saw him. Um, does he even have a signature game? Uh, whenever it came down to a big game, I don't remember him making any, you know, even being open and just, you know, maybe the quarterback overthrew him. Nothing like that. And the biggest thing about him was for sure his attitude. Just an awful teammate. Uh, John Gruden's got to send you home. I think that's what happened. I think the Buccaneers uh, sent him home after, like, the 03 season. Uh, just brutal. Uh, like, the way he, like you said, the way he talked down wing ring for bet. There's just no room for that in the locker room. And I don't think there was anything that he ever did that warranted any kind of the, the credit that he seems to get. That's my take on it. Mike? I completely agree. So Joe is right again, but he's still one behind us. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Matt, what you got? Well, this will be uh, this will be interesting. I'm going to go with Darren Sharper. I saw Darren Sharper for most of his career. Uh, I remember when he went to Minnesota after his uh, most of his career was spent in Green Bay. Um, I do think he he was a good player overall, um, but I remember. I remember, especially early in his career, he was he was out of out of position most of his career. I I think most of the interceptions that he caught were basically right to him. Um, I just never really saw the guy just you know absolutely come out and just make a great player. You know, knock balls down. I, he missed tackles like crazy. He's always getting run over. My favorite play of all time is 1999 regular season. They're at Denver, and Ed McCaffrey drags him down the sideline for 80 yards. It is one of the most hilarious plays you will ever see. The guy couldn't tackle. He was out of position most of the time. And, yeah, he did He did catch quite a lot of interceptions almost all the time. I felt he was just – he just happened to be right there. Now you can say he was in position for the interception. I, did, I never really saw it that way for the most part. There were times he did make a, a few interceptions that were pretty good, but most of them to me were just, he just happened to be, it was like Larry Brown in, the, in Super Bowl 30. But my take on it. Joe, yeah. Mike? Am I next? Yeah, sure, go ahead. Well, um, Matt, I disagree. I thought I thought Sharper was a borderline Hall of Famer. He was a very productive player. Um, I and uh, but uh, truth be told, I did not watch him as closely maybe as you did. Uh, but uh, what I saw, I thought he was a terrific player. I'm looking at his numbers now. Uh, not only did he have 63 interceptions, he returned 11 for touchdowns. Yeah, um, I know he's got good numbers. I agree yeah, with that. He has really excellent numbers. Again, borderline Hall of Fame numbers. And unfortunately, because of, of this uh, conviction now that you know with his off-field troubles, he won't even come close to the Hall of Fame now. But um, but uh, that aside, um, looking at a five-time Pro Bowl, six-time All-Pro, um, a, a terrific player, a 2000s all-decade all team. Um, I don't think he's overrated. Um, and and he, for me, he passed the eye test, too. I thought he was a terrific player. Mike? I'll tell you the truth. I don't even think we should even talk about him. But <laughs> he entered pleas in four states for sexual assault. He admitted to drugging and raping women. So 
I think he belongs more under discussion, like being on the Bill Cosby show or something, than being on this show. Um, I think he was a good player. I don't think he was a Hall of Fame player. I would probably lean towards Matt on this. Sorry, Joe. Unbelievable. Sorry. I said I was sorry, <laughs> Joe. Don't yell at me. <laughs> I mean, I don't need a Giant fan picking on me, too, even though the Bengals have won how many games compared to the Giants when we played each other. Uh, I'd rather hear who you think is overrated next than the Bengals Giants. <laughs> well, I'm sure you would because you know it's the you are a fan of one of the few teams that we hold an all-time serious lead on. So <laughs> that, and as I said, I'm unprepared. I'm trying to think of somebody right now, and Boomer Esiason would come to mind. Oh, uh, I can't even believe you're not bringing up the guy that you always bring up. Who did I bring up? Troy Palomalu. Oh, yeah, but I remember Siasen was 11 for 25 in that Super Bowl. It ruined my life for like a decade or two. Well, he had a bad arm. That's what you always tell me. I don't care. I wanted to win that Super Bowl. I don't care if his arms are rag or not. (laughs) But, yeah, I'll say Troy Palomalu. I don't think he's half the player Ed Reed is. I think he's very bad when teams expose him in open space, especially against trips formations. Um, He makes plays. Against you know, and I mean, anymore he hits with his head, which knocks him out for half the season. I mean, I think he is a really good player. I don't think he's a Hall of Fame safety. I think there's a lot of guys that should be in the Hall of Fame before him, but he will get in. Another one that I know Joe likes to bring up, which me and Joe can combine on this, is Kevin Green. Oh, that's an interesting one. Kevin Green was just a long-haired pass rusher that really talked well on TV and made fools out of him. I mean, kind of like Deion Sanders. Only Deion Sanders was actually a great football player, I think. It just wasn't a complete one. Kevin Green was just a pass rusher. He didn't stop the run. And the fact that I think he's going to get put in the Hall of Fame where they don't even consider Robert Brazil, who was like a million times the player he was, is an absolute disgrace. What do you think, Joe? Please, you don't have to tell me about Kevin Green. Uh, he was a one-dimensional guy. All he did was rush the passer. I don't remember him stopping the run. I don't remember him going out in coverage. He had long hair. He was very flamboyant. He was a big uh, demonstrative guy, a um, lot of sacks. I can't believe he's being considered and getting serious consideration for the Hall of Fame. And Robert Brazil, I mean, that, but that's a uh, – uh, listeners, if you want to listen to the Robert Brazil show, we were, we were fortunate to, to interview him. He was a wonderful guest, a great guy, and he was a phenomenal player. Kevin Green wasn't near Robert Brazil. I didn't want to talk about it anymore. I'm done. No, and it's <laughs> stupid that Robert Brazil doesn't even get considered because he played for the Houston Oilers. His hair was short, and he didn't run his mouth. He just did his job. I mean, Kevin Green was a Ram and a Steeler. I mean, he was a Steeler, so, you know, you always get the Steeler bias. And that, you know, maybe that may be sour grapes for me since I'm a Bengals fan. But, I mean, let's face it, I mean, Steeler fans are pretty much morons. But if there's any Steeler fans out there and you want to call in, it's 724 <laughs> I don't even know what the number is by now. I would have to look at it. But if there's any Steeler fans on there, hey, and I'm sorry. There you go. If there's any Steeler fans out there that know how to use a cell phone or a phone with push buttons, let me know, because I've never bet one. I mean, I do know that there's some that know how to do one of those old rotary phones from when Joe was younger. But 
I mean, I don't think there's any Steeler fans. You know, right now they're trying to figure out how to write down the number seven to start this off so they can call and remember it. But wow, what? It's it's well, they got Roethlisberger's uh, jersey. No, it's not as bad as that time on the boxing show when Joe made fun of midgets. What's oh, your opinion, no. Joe, on Kevin Green <laughs> or Matt <laughs> on Kevin Green? Overall, I agree with you guys. Um, Kevin Green, who was a fine pass rusher, the only thing I'll say is. I don't believe uh, he was really ever in a position where they wanted to use him to stop the run. He was an outside linebacker in three, four defenses, surrounded most of the time by guys who could stop the run. But, yeah, he was basically a third-down pass-rushing specialist. He was a good player, but there's a ton of guys that deserve the Hall of Fame before him. Well, I will say this as a linebacker. He he wasn't an outside linebacker. He was a middle linebacker. But another guy we had on the show with us, Matt, LaVon Kirkland, was a far yeah. superior player to Kevin Green. Yeah, I mean, that was a yeah. 300-pound linebacker that could cover guys out of the backfield. Hell, he could cover a wide receiver. Yeah, that's, the, that's what definitely sets him apart. The guy that size that could actually go out of the coverage, that's amazing. Yeah. And, I mean, Kevin Green to me was just a one-trick pony. Yeah. You know, so. Joseph? Well, the next guy on my list is um, Bob Greasy. Oh, Bob, Bob Greasy was, I think, a very good quarterback. Um, it, you know, his numbers, especially uh, Super Bowl eight. What do you have? Eight attempts. Yes, he won two Super Bowls. Um, the, the undefeated season. In the undefeated season, he uh, he he missed the most of the season. Earl Morrow. Um, was yeah. the quarterback for most of that undefeated season. I thought he was a good to very good quarterback at times. To me, he was not a Hall of Famer. Um, his uh, his uh, lifetime QB rating was uh, 77. You know, he he also didn't pass the eye test for me. You know, he had, uh, let's see, he had 192 touchdowns, 172 interceptions. Not a huge uh, ratio, disparity, uh, disparity in ratio. Um, not a big, just you know, twenty five thousand yards. Not a not a Hall of Famer to me. Uh, so I think he was overrated. Played on great teams. Matthew, Bob Greasy also made my list. Um, I <clears throat> I think he was a good quarterback, but like you said, most people forget that he was not the quarterback for most of the seventy two season. I believe he got hurt week five. I think he hurt his foot. And Earl Morrill comes in and, and leads them essentially to the promised land. And then I think Greasy, I don't remember at which point he came back. I want to say it was like either the championship game or the Super Bowl. Championship game. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, he just he, – he wasn't a bad quarterback, but there was guys I would put in before him. I think Ken Stabler was a better quarterback. Now, I realize I'm Mike's going to jump God, over me because, be he, because he's got more interceptions than touchdowns, but – that happened a lot later in his career. When in the seventies, in his prime, Ken Stabler had a much better ratio. He was one of the only guys to ever pass over hundred or, or for a uh, hundred uh, in the QB rating in the seventies. Uh, he his stats got a lot worse in the eighties when he got on some worse teams. But I would take Ken Stabler over Bob Greasy in a heartbeat. I'm looking at Greasy's well, stats, and I'm forgive me my quick point. Uh, I'm looking at Greasy's stats. He played 14 years. He only threw for 20 or more touchdowns twice in 14 years. Twice. 
he, they basically ran the ball all the time. Yeah. With Kick, Morris, and Zonka. Right, am I allowed to speak now, or is Joe just going to hog all this time and interrupt? I don't me? know. What do you think, Joe? Should we just keep talking? We can and give Mike a little taste of his own medicine. Exactly. So uh, That's just see. because I forget things, all right? All I know is this. You're idiots, all right? Don Turner, oh, Bob Greasy now. won two Super Bowls. You sit there and talk. He wasn't the part Dolphins of the Dolphins won season. two Super Bowls. Yeah, the Dolphins won two Super Bowls, just like every other team wins them together, not as an individual. But he came in against the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh when they were behind. He had not played since he got hurt in week four or five when he broke his leg, getting slammed by Deacon Jones and Ron East of the San Diego Chargers. He even had a dislocated ankle with the broken leg. Wikipedia is a great thing, isn't it? But, <laughs> I was going to say, you've got to be reading this right now because you are not prepared. No, actually, I'm trying to make it sound like you guys can keep up, then maybe I'm reading Wikipedia. Everybody out there knows I just know my stuff, all right? But he led them over Pittsburgh from behind in Pittsburgh, and that was a pretty dang good Pittsburgh team. Then he goes to the Super Bowl, and he dominates. He's 8 for 11 for 88 yards and a touchdown. He made no mistakes. He threw some passes. I mean, the thing is this. If you want to see to me why Don or by what Bob Greasy was a really good quarterback, you look at him more 77, 78, 79. Look at a game against the Houston Oilers, one of the greatest regular season games ever on Monday Night Football, where Greasy threw for over 300 yards. You know, they lost the game 35 to 30. Um, you know, for the year, Greasy in 78, when they didn't have the running game they used to have, completed a league leading 63% of his passes. So I think this. I think that people penalize him because he was on a team that had three great running backs, a great offensive line, and a great defense, and they used them. You know, wide receiver-wise, it was him and Paul Warfield. Warfield was probably better in Cleveland than he was Miami. He was still good. They had Marlon Briscoe, I think, back then. Yeah. Not 100% sure, but I'm sure, pretty sure Briscoe was on there because I was trying to get Briscoe he was. on the show. He was. He was good. Um, you know, I mean, Greasy, to me, was a product of his system, just like you can say that a Troy Aikman was a product of his system. Because Troy Aikman, Joe, you ripped on him because he had a lot of great players around him. And Bob Greasy was the same way, and he used those players. He never raised any hell about it to any of the coaches. He did what was asked of him. And later in his career, I think the 78 season, correct me if I'm wrong here, Matt, but that team really had no running game. They threw the ball. I mean, he had completed 63% of his passes and led that team to the playoffs against the Oilers where they lost the home game. Yeah. So I, I think this. I think without the 77 and 78 seasons where he had to throw touchdown passes for that team to win. And in 77, I think they went 10-4 and because I remember it's a game where he threw for like six yeah. touchdown passes against the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it was Thanksgiving Day because I remember watching that game because I was like eight years old, and then I went out in my backyard and threw the ball to myself and acted like I was Jim Hart because I really liked Jim Hart because the Cardinals had really cool uniforms. I liked that little birdie on the helmet. But I mean, at 77 and 78 with no passing game, he stepped up. They go 10 and 4, and then they went 11 and 5. Uh, he was 21 and 9, got him to the playoffs once, would have been twice if the playoffs were like they were today. And that was with no really great wide receiver threats, no really great running game. They still had a really good offensive line with Kuchenberg and those guys. 
But, I mean, they, they had pedestrian skill position players, and the guy still took them to a 21-9 and record. I see what you all are saying about the earlier stuff, but the thing is this, in those Super Bowls against the Vikings and against the Redskins, he did what he had to do to win. And when it got to the point later in his career where he didn't have those weapons and he had to throw the ball, he did what he had to do to win. I don't think 78 is a good uh, year to show as an example for Greasy because I, I also have Wikipedia, and I'm looking up Bob Greasy right now. Yes, he did lead the lead with a 63% completion percentage. He only played nine games. He had 11 touchdowns and 11 interceptions and threw for almost 1,800 yards. You know what? Screw you, Joe. All right, and you're Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, I'm the I host think of that show. Right I, I am the person that's supposed to have Wikipedia, not you. All right? <laughs> you're supposed to have the old sports almanac from 1983. All right? That's what you were given by the show, and that's what you need to stick to. All right? Because my argument was gold until you had to butt in with your freaking Wikipedia. Yeah, uh, right, so I let's think just that agree that I was it. right again, and we'll go on. I, I'll go to the sea of hands game for who is the better quarterback. Kenny Stabler. Oh, yes, because, you know, Kenny Stabler throwing down and shooting a ball out of his ass and Clarence Davis catching it in the back of the end zone after bobbling it proves completely who the better quarterback um, is. Watch that game. drive. Watch that drive leading up to that catch. Yep. I can't watch was that drive. Ken Stabler no was a better quarterback than Bob Greasy. Oh, you're out of your mind. Greasy was a good quarterback, but you can't, you can't tell me that you're going to give Greasy all this credit for what you he know, for what he did, truth, and you're going to penalize you truth, Stabler. I think him and Kenny Stabler were both overrated. <laughs> all right, so but, Bob Greasy. You know what? Sounds we like had, we're three and zero, Joe. This is the way I looked at. It. Well, he's not because he was wrong first. I well, think he's overrated. We both been. This is the thing. <laughs> there was 15 minutes left in this show. All right, I'm thinking, hey, we got to kill 15 minutes. I've got nothing else here. I've got no more players to give. And if what about I give players? A quick answer, if I give a quick answer to Bob Greasy, well, then it's going to go to Matt, and we get another quick answer, and then my ass is on the hook again. And I'm completely unprepared for that. So I figured, hey, I'm going to go to Wikipedia. I'm going to put up this big argument. And then, you know, little Joe from Jersey has to freaking pop in with, oh, I've got Wikipedia too. I mean, come on. It's also unfair because he actually knows how to use a computer, and I'm dumb as hell with it. But Wow. that's a, Joe, I think we've got uh, – yeah, that is a Bengals fan at its best. What is? Getting all upset when, when you get uh, knocked right, out in an me, argument. Anybody that's listened to our show for since February knows the pain <laughs> I've gone through Here with the Polio 49er fans. <laughs> Roger Craig's on, Mark Edwards is on. All these guys afterwards, they call me and they apologize because they said not all Niner fans are like that. It's just guys that live in Green Bay that want to disobey their dad and not cheer for the Packers. So they cheer for the 49ers. So those guys apologized. And then you know, we come on here, and Matt, a lot of times, he just kind of plays it off like I'm just kidding and I'm the bully. I mean, people that know me know I'm a sweet guy. I wouldn't bully you. <laughs> I mean, even me and Matt or Joe have had these You're conversations. You're trying so hard not to laugh right now. I mean, a lot of times, Joe will call me, and he'll say, man, I don't know how you put up with the way Matt treats you. No, yeah. <laughs> and and well, he don't even hear us talk, but he says, I hear the desperation in your voice. And I mean, I just sometimes I just want to sit here and cry when he gets on me like that. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mike. We'll try to go no, a little not. easier. See, on that's you. another way of bullying me. 
Because now you're going to put it back on me like I'm a jerk because I won't forgive you. People don't know the pain that I've felt through this Bengal 49er thing. Got to be tough. Yeah, but I can't be when I got some big bully picking on me all the time. I'm so sorry. I'll try to be nicer. All right. Because Joe don't ever pick on me because the Bengals have dominated the Giants in their season series. Yeah, but I have those two Super Bowls to keep me warm. <laughs> you only have two? But you got four. I know. Come on. No, the last two. Well, yeah, because those came with, at the hands of the 49ers, a lot of that. Thank God for Kyle Williams, huh? <laughs> we need to have him on the show. I think one of these weeks, I'm just going to get a hold of Kyle Williams, get him on the show, and I'm going to tell him that me, you, and Joe are going to do a show about, like, the greatest 49ers ever. And then halfway through the show, I'm going to say, hey, welcome, caller. Who's this? And he's going to say, this is Kyle Williams. Don't drop the I phone, I put out Kyle. a challenge. We got to get a we got to get a, a a player from the Bengals that played in their last playoff win back when I was in junior high. What's that mean? We've had from one. The, no, we from the had 90s one. season. Well, all right, yeah. Joe Kelly. We we had Joe Kelly. One. What are you talking you about? Got to get another one. You have no clue what you're talking about, do you? We've already had one. See, you were trying to bully me so bad that you brought up something we've already done. Well, we got to do it again. What? Pick on me? No, we got to get another Bengal on our show. So that well, way you can feel like you know, we, got, we got an even amount of Bengals. Hey, and we got Tommy John coming up on our show next Tuesday at 2 o'clock. Matt will be doing the show from his car because he's supposed to be at work and his boss might be listening in so he could get in trouble. <laughs> but next Tuesday, we will have Lee Steinberg, otherwise known as Jerry Maguire. Um, Joe won't be able to call him because Joe's dedicated to his job and doesn't sit in his car and do talk radio when he's supposed to be working. <laughs> well, the good thing is that my boss is aware and he, he lets me use my brakes. So. Well, yeah. I mean, how good. important it is for you to talk to me and Tommy John. Right. Or no, wait, that's Lee Steinberg. All right. But sometimes I have bad memory issues. So what the hell? Uh, speaking of that, did you hear our interview with Peter McNeely Tuesday night? I didn't. Oh, I like so to. you don't listen you to the show. You didn't post it. I, I didn't see you post it. it. I sure did post it. I posted it with the iHeart link, the Spreaker link. A lot of people listen to it, but you didn't. I'll try. I hate to call you out on that. but Yeah, it's definitely worth a listen. Uh, Peter was really a great guest, and he's a lot of fun. He dropped the F-bomb once, though. Yes, he did, and uh, we got on him for a boxing he, show. That's cool. He, he laughed it off. Well, I mean, he's a lot bigger than us, Joe. We kind of had to laugh with it. So, <laughs> but so Tuesday at two o'clock, we will have Super Agent Lee Steinberg. Tuesday night, me and Joe Rodriguez will do a boxing show with a, probably a guest. Or ten minutes before the show, I'll call Joe and say, "Hey, you got any ideas?" <laughs> <laughs> don't you love getting that call, Joe? I don't mind. What's our I backup just, plan? I, I have uh, <laughs> I have a lot of uh, things to talk about. Hopefully. Uh, interesting to users uh, to users to to listeners. That was a uh, that was a, a work term. Users. Yeah, I, are you an What's IT? Good job, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> so am I. I understood exactly what yeah, you were saying you right away. I, yep. So yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thursday night, Matt. Who do you got for a guest? <laughs> Thursday night. Well, actually, uh, I may have a guest for next Thursday I know. night. That's why I brought it up. 
Do we want to say who it is, or we just want to surprise people if we've got him? Well, that's up to you. Because he said he would definitely oh. do our show. I just can't guarantee it's going to be next week. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll just make it a secret then between me, you, and Joe, or Matt. Yeah, Joe. Joe, I don't think you know what the secret is. So you know it's Jerry Kramer, former Packer guard. But we're not going to tell anybody on air who it could be just in case he doesn't be on next next week. Oh, that was that would be great. <laughs> I'll call him for that one. But, hey, he'll uh, be a great well, interview. Well, I believe we're done. We've been a little bit over an hour. Um, you got any final words, Joseph? No, I enjoy the show. Always a pleasure to talk to Matt. And um, <laughs> what about me? Uh, <laughs> what about I talk me? to you. I talk to you all the time. I just I talk, talk to Matt only once in a while. What the hell? I talk all to right. Matt once in a while. I talk to you all the time. Yeah, but it still should be a pleasure. Uh, please don't push me on that. But thank you very much. I really enjoy the show. <laughs> Matthew. I too really enjoy talking to Joe. Um, definitely uh, <laughs> got to chat with you a little. Gotta, definitely got to chat with you a little bit more, Mike. I talk to you all the time as well. <laughs> Why and, am I and, here? With, and with Mike, it is always a small slice of heaven. Yeah, First. well, whatever, because that just sounds condescending now. No, I enjoy talking. Like we've been talking for years, just like you and Joe have been talking for years. We always have great, great conversations. Listen, me and Joe, realize, and Joe people, might be meeting up in like two weeks, though. Listen, listeners don't realize uh, Mike's uh, greatest hits he cannot repeat on the air. So um, take the word for it. What does that mean? What? What's my greatest hits mean? The greatest hits are things that we talk about on the phone uh, that we're not on the air that uh, that you cannot repeat. Really funny stuff. Oh, well, maybe sometime we'll do an explicit show at midnight. Right. Uh, yes. <laughs> what the hell? Because we know, all know my favorite word is yeah. first with letter F. Barbanugan. Because <laughs> I watched that commercial today on an old YouTube video. But, um, <laughs> all right, since nobody has fun talking to me, I guess I'm going to end the damn show. So, I will, yes, we will see everybody next Tuesday at 2 o'clock with Super Agent Lee Steinberg. Tuesday night, we have the boxing show at nine or 9.30. And then we have the International World Bowl show Tuesday night at 11. And then, of course, next Thursday night will be our flagship football show, as always. So for Joe Rodriguez, Matt Andrews-Cavage, I'm Mike Goodpasture. You're listening to Grueling Truth, where the legends speak. We're still having fun with the hottest lots, newest.